Today's podcast is brought to you by Citizen Path. It's a new way to prepare U.S. immigration forms. It's an online service that makes it easy to prepare and file USCIS applications and petitions. Believe me, as a nationalized citizen, I know the hassle. Citizen Path gives you instant alerts if there's a problem. The service even provides a guarantee, yes, a guarantee that USCIS will approve the form. Citizen Path was designed by immigration attorneys, but it's significantly less expensive than an attorney. And here's the fun part. Immigrantly listeners can use coupon code immigrantly to save 15%. You can visit their website at citizenpath.com. A lot of the characters in my book, they're trying to throw off basically the straitjacket that has been imposed on them by traditional society or manipulative family members or tribe and clan. And that is where the tension exists. You know, she said, you know, I kept waiting for a bombing to happen in your in one of your stories. And she laughed and she said, you know, there, I just kept waiting and there are no bombings. And so fiction is a really good vessel for that. Fiction can hold contradiction. Fiction can... fiction is is basically elevating the mundane and our lives are deeply mundane but i think i am able to in fiction to really explore my truth to explore my own politics and to kind of really unabashedly write what i believe Hi listeners, this is Sadia, your host here for another episode of Immigrantly. We are in the thick of season 11 and also the throes of what experts want to be a hot summer. I hope everyone is finding respite in cool thoughts and activities. I know cool thoughts are hard to come by. Joining me today is a very special guest for whom among other stark similarities, home is bifurcated across continents. Mira Sethi has built a rich career as an actress in particular but recently she has entered the literary scene. What I found fascinating in her conversation was that part and parcel to her life or existence if you will is trying to understand her Pakistani culture and identity from the perspective of a modern woman who inhabits two different worlds. She wrote in a recent Vogue article titled A Pandemic, A Marriage and a Life on Two Continents on this idea of home and country which she drew from Baldwin's own ponderings that and quote to disavow home the simultaneous charm and frustration of it is to live in denial of a very fruitful tension between love and freedom unquote pretty intense right in fact i opened our discussion with this quote and let me tell you it just took off from there i am so thrilled for you all to hear her speak on this idea of transcontinental identity on her book and what it means to grow up under the public eye
Thank you so much for coming on Immigrant Mira. I am so excited and I have tons of questions for you, but I want to start with your Vogue article titled The Pandemic, a Marriage and a Life on Two Continents. So I will share a quote from that article and I want you to elaborate on it. To disavow home, the simultaneous charm and frustration of it is to live in denial of a very fruitful tension between love and freedom. Unquote. It's quite intense and it really resonated with me, but I wanted to get your take on it. Can you elaborate on it a little? Um yes, thank you for having me on your podcast. The fruitful tension between love and freedom. I think anyone who is from Pakistan, which is where I'm from and the country to which I was referring, it is in many ways quite a traditional society. my passport says it is the islamic republic of pakistan that comes with a lot of baggage and so when you are part of a society where you have three sets of rules one are the quite intense rules of the state mm. at the second level you have the rules of society right aunts and uncles clan tribe and at the third level you have a young individual or an individual navigating the above mentioned rules with say a smartphone in hand and the tension between love and freedom i think exists between these three sets of rules which is the imperatives of how state and society think you should live and what you want from your life so just to talk about my collection of short stories which is why i am here on your podcast a lot of the characters in my book are they're trying to throw off basically the straight jacket that has been imposed on them by traditional society or manipulative family members or tribe and clan hmm. and that is where the tension exists i love that i have read part of your book i've read a few chapters but what i really liked about different characters is that most of them are they have agency right there is a lot of nuance personality and depth to them so each character is three dimensional figure it doesn't exist in binaries which is awesome and the language that you've used the way you have structured your conversations your your storytelling is inclusive of local vernacular that we don't see often right and you're unapologetic about it because you're not explaining those terms you're not explaining what shalwar kameez is or what gulab jamun is which is wonderful right you're letting the listener enjoy it and if they want to search it up they'll search it up on google now i'm assuming a lot of what you have drawn comes from your observations what you've seen around but at the same time i am trying to understand what was the motivation behind starting this literary journey that you are on now and why did you choose to start with short stories so that's a good question about the literary journey i think i was really interested in you know talking about pakistan with a lower case p hmm. not pakistan with the capital p because that pakistan you see in coverage of pakistan in um, newspapers all over the world in the mainstream press mm. and right before i hopped onto this podcast i was talking to the books editor at the hindustan times 
And, you know, she said, you know, I kept waiting for a bombing to happen in your in one of your stories. Huh. And she laughed and she said, you know, there, I just kept waiting and there are no bombings. And, <laughs> and I said, yes. And that was the whole point was to not have bombings because you read about the bombings anyway. And, and that's also not really the full story, right? Hmm. And so fiction is a really good vessel for that. Fiction can hold contradiction. Fiction can, fiction is, is basically elevating the mundane. And our lives are deeply mundane. Hmm. One should acknowledge that and embrace it. And in the mundanity, there is there's a lot of shit that happens. And there is a lot of like complicated stuff that happens, but under the surface of things that seem seemingly normal. So that's how I chose to write fiction. And, you know, if I wanted to write a, a, a very ideological kind of treatise, I would have written a pamphlet or I would have written an op-ed or I would have only written op-eds for the rest of my life. Huh. Um, but I think fiction is lovely because you get to tell those really, you get to explore the hidden nodes of meaning in everyday life, of how people are actually negotiating things like identity and desire and power and sexuality. Um, and, 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 you know, just sort of bringing that. Um, you know, how do you negotiate different intersectionalities in your life? Um, I wear a few hats. So I'm an actor and I'm a writer, basically these two. And uh, I'm progressive in the context of Pakistan and it's not easy. You know, you, Sadia, you must have heard our prime minister's comments recently that he keeps giving about, about how women's dressing leads to the violence that they then experience mm. in the context of Pakistan. Mm. You must have heard these comments because mm. he's kind of constantly making them. And I critiqued him on Twitter and then I got a barrage of abuse from trolls and from pe people who support him saying that, well, you know, you are the outlier here. This is how people in Pakistan think. Yes, uh, clothing will lead to, to sexual violence. And making these incredibly dubious and problematic links between things. And I thought to myself, well, okay, I'm just not going to pay attention to the abuse. But that is one nook of, of the intersectionality, which is my own voice as a woman and as, as a progressive speaking on these things. And, you know, as an actor and writer, both have the modes of storytelling, but they're quite different. It's not always easy because there are some overlaps. Like, yes, one is a visual medium, one is a written word. It's basically both you're telling stories. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm able to, in fiction, be to really explore my truth, to explore my own politics, and to kind of really unabashedly write what I believe. Yeah. And again, fiction is lovely because you don't go in with an agenda, right? You kind of, you, your characters kind of speak to you, they take you places. You have to deal, you have to be okay with a lot of uncertainty when you are starting out. That is the, both the beauty and the terror of fiction, is that you don't really know where it's going to go, but you have to be okay with that. And, and acting is a slightly more limited, um, I would say, medium for me because I'm not a producer. I am merely an actor. So I get scripts and then I, you know, perform. <laughs> uh, I can, of course, choose. Of course, I have a right to choose scripts. And when something is incredibly regressive, it's, it's, I turn it down. So, you know, that's sort of how, how mm. it plays out. So I've watched some of Pakistani dramas recently and most of them are regressive to me. And that is probably a reflection on the kind of society that we are living. And probably you know it better because you commute back and forth, right? But going back to your book, Are You Enjoying? Something that I really liked about your book was that the stories that you're telling, they are not sanitized. Now, I grew up in Pakistan that was pretty much sanitized, right? I was living in a bubble. This is how upper middle class, middle class girls are raised they are taught that it's like Islamic Republic of Pakistan. So you yeah. have to act a certain way. And yeah. the onus of transmitting culture and 
cultural norms falls entirely on women somehow because it's a collectivist society and at the end of the day in order to maintain that family unit women have to sacrifice and that's what you were referring to right so do you ever feel like you don't belong to either culture or community because you are spending time away and you're living in San Francisco with your husband but then you're also filming in Karachi so i'm sure there must be some unexpected challenges how do you feel what is sense of belonging to you yeah thank you for asking that i mean i i don't actually live in san francisco in the sense that i'm moving back to pakistan in september um so for a while so again as you said it's a lot of back and forth um and i don't think of myself as living in in the us and as actually of being an immigrant here so hmm. that is not an identity that i yet have i may have it in the future i don't know but right now i think of myself very much as as a pakistani who may be an outlier in her own culture right um what i will tell you sadia is that i because i am in karachi and i'm acting with a lot of young people there are a lot of the irony is that there are a lot of secular pakistanis out there who don't even identify as secular but the ways in which they are living their lives are deeply secular so actors and actresses in pakistan they go on award shows the actresses wear exactly what they want to wear they are in a fairly secular space in pakistan huh. right and the storylines yes they may be regressive but we look at somebody like aisha umar who is uh, a musician and an actor in pakistan and the kinds of images she puts up on instagram they are unafraid and unabashed and she constantly reclaims that space for herself right mm. so with my with so i interact with a lot of people who i see are pushing the envelope pushing the boundary and although in theory i might feel like you know we are up against a lot we are there's a lot of cultural conservatism in pakistan and that is the norm i also feel like the younger generation because they are they have smartphones they have social media they because of globalization they have access to all kinds of just you know modernity essentially they have mm. access to modernity they are um they're an interesting lot to observe and their hopes and dreams are pretty secular again not in the way that they might use this term but as a byproduct of modernity these are young people who are incredibly aspirational so i um personally feel sometimes feel a little out of place there in the sense that i say things that i think are raise eyebrows back home right but you know that's the that's sort of i know that that's what i'm up against you brought up such an important point about living secular lives and then not calling it secular that's something that's existed in pakistan ever since i was a child so there is this dichotomy between conservatism there's this interplay between conservatism and modernity and people are confused there mm-hmm. is this tension that exists like when i was growing up there yes i wasn't as aware of the misogyny or violence against women because i was part of a i guess a system or a class where i was not being impacted by it directly so i wasn't aware of it and i was this emancipated liberal woman young woman growing up in pakistan but that exists that violence exists in some other class so that's always been tension in pakistan and i guess that's a dichotomy that many people in the west don't understand because they paint pakistan in a very one dimensional very conservative manner and you and i probably understand the nuances of it 
It's also about language, right? It's about frameworks. It's about how you speak about the things that happen to you. So identity politics does not play out in a country like Pakistan the way it plays out here in the US. Here you have so many identities. You have micro-identities, you have racial, ethnic, so do we, but we don't necessarily have access to those identities in the way that folks say in the US do. Mm. So going back to the example of, of traditional versus modern, a lot of the actresses who I work with are actually very, very modern. But do they necessarily call themselves liberal? No, because the word liberal has come to be associated, thanks again to our prime minister and others like him, misguided souls, um, with, with all things that are, the word that he loves to use is fahash, which is vulgar, yeah. you know? And so he, so so nobody then wants to associate that word with liberal, mm. whereas liberalism is actually just being okay with ambiguity and saying, live and let live, mm. Um, mm. or left politics, right? With people, or, or the word, take the word feminism. So a lot of the women who I work with, uh, I did a talk show last year and I asked many of them, top actresses, if they identified as feminists. And one or two of them, said something very interesting. They said, you know, I believe in equality, but I'm not a feminist. <laughs> and on the face of it, that kind of is hilarious. And I thought to myself, well, then you are. But let's, if you probe deeper, it's coming from this place of not wanting to identify as a feminist because the word feminist is a Western construct and then not wanting to be identified with it, but actually yearning for equality and saying that I actually do believe in equality. And, and this woman does. So it's also about language and sort of culture and um you know, the luxury of naming things. It's it's a great point. And this is a great segue into what I was going to ask you. So I was going to ask you about feminism, because on the one hand, from my perspective, I think often Pakistanis are triggered by the word feminism because of its roots in Western colonialism and dominance. Mm -hmm. This whole notion of deep-seated Orientalism, where people were taught that women, Muslim women don't have agency and only white saviors will protect them and save them. We are seeing that manifest itself in France right now. And that's why I think in Pakistan, especially feminism is conflated to being male-hating, which is totally not the intention or cause. How do we change that language? You've talked about how people shy away from owning those identities or calling them their own because of the language. So, Mira, how do you think we should change them in a society like Pakistan? So speaking just on for myself, because that's all I can do, you know, sadly, my model as an actor and as a writer is quite limited because I'm not part of an institution per se. I, I don't run an NGO. So I don't have an institutional framework by which I can propagate my feelings and my thoughts about, say, an issue like feminism. The mm. most I can do is model them. And that's a lot of pressure for an individual to carry and have, which is why I think actors often stay away from hot-button political issues mm. and don't sort of get into the fray. And I understand that entirely as well. So my model is try and, you know, model it as best as you can, or try and inspire people, uh, because my model of change is currently limited to me. Although with this book, uh, Are You Enjoying? I feel like it's... Uh, now actually larger than I am because the book is will have a life of its own, so to speak, mm. <laughs> to borrow the, a title from the from one of the short stories. It'll go and have a second life and then people will engage with the book on the terms of the book, mm. which are progressive themes. So I think one can talk about these things. I think one can use social media to talk. And I think that, you know, I'm, somebody like me, if I get into production, which is something I want to do, I don't quite know, I don't really have a, a roadmap for it yet. 
but you know changing people's hearts and minds via television i think is actually quite powerful so for every one person who reads are you enjoying 5000 people will have seen chupke chupke the comedy i was just in right so i think tv is a very powerful medium um and i think writing is too but it's a little more niche hmm. so right now you and i are in conversation you're in new york i am in san francisco we're both pakistani women um your political beliefs are not entirely like mine and mine are not entirely like yours but we are conversing and we are hoping that this conversation and people who are listening to it will take something from it hmm. so you know again why would we bother to do this if we didn't really believe that it would have some kind of impact This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Over 25 recipes to choose from. Each week there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts. to ensure deliciousness and simplicity my favorite the one that i can't wait to try is beef and cheese tostadas go to the link in our show notes to get 80 dollars off including free shipping on hello fresh the number one meal kit back to your book the reviews on it are stellar as you mentioned you're an actor as well was there part of your acting skill set that you had to draw on to create these characters and create this world around you um yeah i mean being an actor is it's fertile ground for my fiction so mm. being on a set is fertile ground observing the power dynamics between a director and an actress and how different those power dynamics are between a male actor and the director right uh, observing observing the relationship between a makeup artist and the lead actress all of this is fascinating and i love observing power dynamics on a set because i heavily gendered and the way that oh. like say an actor interacts with the director is so different than the the ways in which an actress will try and ingratiate herself with the director who's often often a man oh. you know you will communicate via code via signal via innuendo you will you will even when you're angry you know you will just do your best not to appear or show that you are angry because mm-hmm. you wield a lot more power in being coy and in being um submissive speaking, not in, yes submissive actually underneath that that coquettishness is submission in in a sense you're right So that to me is fascinating and acting in that way opens up a great is is very fertile ground for me but beyond that i mean there's only one story set in the world of of show business <laughs> i was listening to one of your other podcast interviews where you talk about how being an actor really helped you um record your audiobook because mm. you could create those sounds and that comes from your acting right how was that experience like It was great fun. I mean, I um I think it took me about an hour to get into it. Huh. While when I was at the studio, but you know, you work on voice intonation, you know, voice control, tone, pitch, uh, these are things you learn as an actor. And so narrating my book was it kind of came more alive to me when I narrated it. Because of course while I was writing it, it's just, you know, you're going from head to page. But when you're actually like when I did Zibi's voice, Right. <laughs> you no, know, I sort of got her to talk like this. 
And I didn't know that she had this voice. And the minute her dialogue came up on screen when I had, was doing the audio book, she, she began saying, oh, but one has done so much for the poor. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's who you are. Okay, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with that. So it's, you know, this, the creative arts are very interesting like that. They're kind of lurking inside you and you don't really know what you're going to get. What kind of feedback are you getting from family and friends and acquaintances? Yeah, I mean, my friends have, you know, it's like asking people who love you and don't think they can ever be really objective. But they've, the word that they've used a lot independently, sort of people have been messaging me saying, this. they said that they're brave. The stories are brave, and I, that's been really nice to hear. Um, they've said that they're intimate. And um, I think in India, the response has been really, really wonderful. Are You Enjoying is currently like on the, is, is doing really well in India. And I think some people have been kind of stumped by the fact that if you change the locations, the stories could be taking place in cities in India. Yeah. And again, with the interview I did right before this, the lady asking me, but there were no moms in your book. So I think that idea, getting used to the idea that, you know, normal life goes on every day <laughs> in the absence of, of, of terrorism as well. And that, you know, just trying to get away from those single note stories about Islam and terrorism. But anyway, the response in India has been wonderful. In Pakistan also, it's been nice. There's been some critique in Pakistan, hmm. which has been basically that the material reality of my characters is basically upper middle class and that it should have been uh, distributed along other lines as well. I slightly disagree with that. I mm. think there are characters from other parts of life and other walks of life, but you know, I, I take that point. Um, and in America, I think people have been interested in that it has updated their notion of Pakistan. Mm. So again, about the queer lives in Pakistan or about extramarital love affairs happening mm. or about um, interracial affairs happening and uh, uh, women contesting historically male-dominated spaces. I think that's been interesting. In the US, you know, there's a tendency to always view, I think, fiction from other parts of the world, um, especially close to regions where they've had, um, the US has, you know, was it, had been in Afghanistan for the last, like, I want to say 15 years. They view things through a geopolitical lens, which is not always helpful. Right. And that's a great thing about your book because it humanizes Pakistanis and it brings out idiosyncrasies that people in the West don't see. And that's why I think it's important, not just people in the West, as I said, a lot of Pakistanis may not know that all of that happens in Pakistan, <laughs> depending on where they grew up and the kind of environment that they grew up in. What's next on the Mira journey? What is next? I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will probably write a novel. It'll take many years. I don't know what it's going to be about. Um, but on the on the immediate journey, I think I'm probably going to do another drama series in the next few months. I might do season two of my talk show again. And then, you know, with the creative life, you know, Sadia, it's, uh, you can't really... One plans, but a lot of what goes on, like the ticking that is going on in the subconscious is happening while you are living life. And that's certainly my process. I am not a deeply analytical writer. I am more of an experiential writer. So I live my life. And then as my experiences accumulate, my mind starts ticking faster and louder. And then I think to myself, oh, I better write, better write this down. 
which is which is not really not really making a link with with biography or autobiography but that basically i my eyes and ears are open and i'm imbibing life as it happens so dikhte i don't really know i don't really have an agenda um i'm just promoting my book right now and we'll see where where life takes me so you mentioned you're promoting your book any thoughts on touring in person for your book what has that yeah. experience been like I mean online has been wonderful because I've been able to connect with people in the US in Britain in India in Pakistan over the course of the last 3 months and I've talked to you know all kinds of people um my interlocutors have mm. been in, in all parts of the world and that's been really lovely so that's one of the wonders of of zoom and virtual events but I am looking forward to the sort of flesh and blood of of a real live reading and especially in my hometown of Lahore I hope to do a reading there in the next year because you know uska maza apna yeah that's true absolutely yeah. absolutely so mira i always ask my guests this question and i know you don't see yourself as an immigrant but i'm sure you have an opinion about america so if you were to describe america in a word or a sentence how would you do that i think in order to thrive in america you hmm. have to become american hmm. that is what i would say and in other parts of the world where one is an immigrant one can hold on to one's immigrant identity pretty strongly and hmm. subscribe to the parts of their new life that they want but if one is to become a part of the american conversation one has to be open to the idea of becoming american in some way ah that that's an interesting take Hmm. So, in the end, where can people find your book in the US? Do you have a favorite bookstore that you want people oh, to order I mean, from? I'm curious if you agree or disagree. I mean, what oh, do you think? Um, so, for me, I think it's been a journey. 10 years ago, I would have probably agreed with you. But now, I feel like political social landscape in the US is changing. People mm-hmm. are asserting their identity a lot more. and the notion of america being a melting pot is changing it's mm. erasing the way i see it it's more about integration now rather than assimilation because from my own lived experience i am wearing my muslim my cultural yeah. my pakistani identity a lot more unapologetically and openly in america than i could probably do it in pakistan in some ways in like my progressive so- values Wonderful to hear Sadia. I mean I'm really glad I kind of pushed you on that because you have been living here for longer. I've only been here the last 6 months. And you know integration versus assimilation. I think you really put your finger on 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 the subject. I think that is if that is indeed your lived experience and that's really lo- wonderful to hear. I do think people are now saying well we will tell our stories on our terms. And I think that is incredibly powerful. And I think even with generation z i see there's a lot more unapologetic um acceptance of who you are whether it's cultural ethnic physical gender identities right gender identities exist on a spectrum as well so yeah that's what i think and that's what gives me hope for the future generations especially those who you know whose parents have come from other parts of the world So in the end Mira uh, is there a favorite bookstore that you want people to buy it from in the US I know some people are just averse to buying it from Amazon <laughs> and I thought you know I'll ask you if there is a small bookstore that you want people to buy online or if there is any other platform that you want them to buy your book 
I really appreciate your kind words. Um, I and I and I think the bookstore that in San Francisco has stocked my book that I love is Green Apple Books hmm. in San Francisco. And then I think uh, in New York, um, Strand has has somebody sent me a video recently of Are you enjoying this? So yeah, I mean these they're you know these are two wonderful bookstores. That's wonderful, and I can't wait to see you. in another pakistani drama because i am a sucker for it uh and thank you for taking the time out this was so good and hopefully when you have another book out we should, we'll do another interview with meera yeah i i would be very interested to put you on the hot seat sadia because i'm actually really interested in your thoughts but this was delightful thank you for having me oh my gosh this was so much fun it was like talking to a friend from pakistan We had so much to discuss. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and if you did, please follow us on Twitter, on our social media, share this episode, give it a review because that's how immigrantly grows. Until next time, take care.